Radio. I can't speak enunciate. What's going on, everyone? We're back for episode number 204 of the Dark Windows podcast there, uh, Buck. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's all of a sudden from fucking Chicago. <laughs> he's Kevin, and so am I. Yes, that is who we are. We're the Kevins. And uh, if it's your first time joining us, I'm the one that sounds like he just had a kid and has facial hair. Um, I don't have facial hair. Kevin's the other one. No kid. <laughs> and uh, I'm older. That's like true. A, like that's 154, true. according to Kevin. Uh, you're like 72 at the most. But okay, that's fine. Right. Uh, you know, it's it, it's how it goes. Okay, so this true. week is Kevin's week. Yeah. For because uh, last week I did fuck what I do. Okay. Oh goddamn, dude! I don't even remember. I don't know. We did something. You did a crime. You did a kidnapping. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's what I did. Yeah. That was yes, a we weird did this, one. We did the thing, and then Kevin. I rolled for Kevin, and Kevin got badass. And I really had to, so, had to twist my arm to do I know. a fucking it was, badass. It here. was fucking, you know, it was, it was, he was hurting. He was like, ow, ow, yeah. ow, ow, mercy, mercy. First of all, I'd like to say thanks everybody for the support with everything going on. With uh, he actually really said, "You bunch of assholes." My wife having our son. Um, so now I'm just going to push Patreon even harder because we've got payroll now. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's officially our. Executive Vice President of Operations for the show. Oh, so we got to pay this vice motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, like he we got he gets paid with booby milk right now. Uh, so. he, he needs real money though, because them diapers ain't cheap, son. <clears throat> um, but anyway, so what's this we, week? Th- this one, this one's badass. fun. So we're gonna go back to Vietnam, an area that it doesn't seem like we visited all that often when it comes to our badasses. We tend to stick to mm. World War II pretty frequently. Yeah, there we've, were so many. I covered one in Vietnam. I think we've done like four total from Vietnam. Because we did Roy Benavidez. We yeah. did... Um, uh, ba, 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 ba. Shit, the guy that we did with him. Oh. I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. Pascal something. Yeah. Pa- Indian fella. Yes. Um, we did... Uh, Actually, in his, in his, he just showed up on my, uh, on my uh, feed. Yep. Uh, just a little bit ago, or somebody had posted something. I don't know, whatever it was. I uh, I, I yeah. covered the Navy Pula. Seal. P- yes, yes. I covered a Navy Seal um, that broke one of his buddies out for his uh, Medal of Honor reception. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, we haven't done a lot for Vietnam, but we're about to change that. And this one is a little bit different. Okay. Now let's just get into it. So we're going to talk about Peter Lemon, who yes sounds like a sour dick, but he's not. Um, so like, like very few other tales of American badassery, this one starts in Canada. Oh, Canada. Ontario, to be specific. So at least it's good Canada. Hey there. You know, right, you're a hoser. Ontario's uh-huh. like, seems like pretty fucking chill Canada. They're not as douchey as their neighbors to the east, uh, in Quebec. Yeah. So Quebec is like sandwiched by like cool folks and then they just fucking suck. The whole Quebec province. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So you have, like, Ontario, Quebec. Then you have, like, Newfoundland and 
uh, Nova Scotia and all the, the maritime folks out that way, they seem cool as fuck. Then you've got Nunavut above there where there's like 17 fucking people that live there. They're probably cool too. Well, they're mean, good at hockey. At least uh, a few of them are that I mean, have made the league. Yeah, but there's a lot of them are like, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're the first, first nations yeah, they're up there, people. They're up there the playing league. hockey on the res. Like, yeah, they're, they're, they're and they know. are not to be fucked with because they are rugged. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Um, so he was born in 1950. And at that point in time, he'd had a pretty strong heritage for warfare. Okay. His father, Charles, and his uncle, Gordon, um, which, by the way, for some reason, when I think Gordon, I automatically think is Canadian. Like, mm. the most Canadian name of all time for some reason. Um, but they both signed up for the Royal Canadian Air Force, and they fought in both the Pacific and European theaters, oh, which wow. I didn't realize the Canadians were involved in the Pacific. I thought that was just us, but hmm. the Canadians did send people. The Brits wanted to. Some of the Brits volunteered to, and they couldn't. Um, and then well, J- Jack Churchill said some things like, you know, the, you know, referring to them as zips and shit like that. Well, wasn't technically the Australia being under yeah, the they, British flag? Nah, not really. I mean, they're part of the, they still were part of the British point, empire, right? but they didn't fight like, they were fought they, in like New they, Guinea and shit. Were they still though? Mm-hmm. Part of. Absolutely. Cause British Canada empire? was too. Okay, I, I didn't know if at that point if they still were or not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. I mean, Canada didn't get their independence until, like, 1960. Hmm. Um, oh. But um, his other uncle, John, served in the, uh, the Canadian military police. Okay. So Charles met his future wife, Geraldine, in London, and they married not too long after the end of the war. Um, Geraldine was no punk bitch herself. She was a highly trained physiotherapist who spent a lot of time treating um, wounded civilians and Tommies during the Blitz. Uh-huh. People got fucked up and they had to go to physical therapy. Geraldine was there getting their asses back to fucking pickpocketing people or whatever children did in London in the 40s. You know, I, I don't know. It's all Oliver Twist to me. So <laughs> Okay, well, so uh, Australia uh, had by this time actually become well 42 they were their own country and canada was actually its own country by 31 oh, okay so but, they but they a, still fought for the british empire well of course yeah um so the newly married happy couple moves back to charles's native uh, canada more specifically they moved to toronto home of my beloved blue jays who are having a damn good season uh <laughs> Charles would go on to earn a degree as a mining engineer, so he's also no dummy. And he would take a position for a mining company based in Michigan. Okay. So in 1952, they would pack up all their shit. They're packing up wee baby Peter, mom and dad, and they're headed off to the big city of Alabaster Township, Michigan. Population, 86. Big city life for some Canadians here. Hey. Which, I mean, you go from Toronto, which is one of the biggest cities in the country, yeah. to a, a town of fucking 86, you're like, is there a plague that we don't know about? <laughs> Probably. <coughs> we can hear fucking crickets. No. It's like, ghost town? What the fuck's going on here? Where is everybody? What the hell? Are, are those stars? Holy shit. Oh, I mean, uh, probably Toronto at that point wasn't that bad. It had more than 86 fucking people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, you're right. Um, 
so when they came to the States, they assimilated like a motherfucker. Well, Jesus Christ, they're, they were like, you know, basically the touch hole to, you know, the to You'll, the glove. Right, but <laughs> they moved into this super small town with a really, really, really patriotic feel to it. Everybody here loves America. And they're like, you know what? This place is pretty fucking excellent. We love America, too. Yeah. So they're flying a fucking American flag outside their house. They're going to parties and stuff. You know, they're singing the Star Spangled Banner at meetings and shit like that. Every every so often, oh, Canada slips out. And they're just like, that's cool, too. But, you know, <laughs> um, one of the first things that Peter remembers having his father read to him as a child was the Bill of Rights. <laughs> oh, wow. So these motherfuckers love them some America. Yeah. And I love it. Canadian Eagle scream. Just. Yeah. Um, uh, so, oh, and the other thing that they really, really got into was wishing hot, fiery death to communism and anybody that uh, approved of it. So we get it. We like it. Hey, it's a lot of uh, anti-communism floating around. Yeah, goddamn right. McCarthyism, baby. Oh, there should be anti-communism because it's terrible. The biggest recurring conversation in the household uh, and for Charlie when he was uh, uh, for Charlie down to the mine was how great it would be for his family to finally become Americans. One fateful day in 1961, the family goes into one of the bigger towns. Didn't say which one. There's not a lot of bigger towns, but there was one that had a department store. They go there and they get themselves some new clothes. And this wasn't uh, this wasn't going to be a uh, your Sunday best kind of occasion. Um, mom got herself a beautiful new dress. Dad got himself his one and only suit, and Peter got his own little suit, um, and his sister got herself a dress, too, little younger sister. Okay. Um, today was the day that the Lemons were becoming Americans. Peter, his sister, and their parents all stood in front of the judge and took the oath and became the proudest Americans you could ever picture. Peter's love for his adopted motherland intensified, some may say, to an extreme level. He wasn't a huge fan of the creeping spread of the red threat and really, really did not like that there was people in his country that were starting to like it. <laughs> okay. He is possibly the youngest person on record to stand on his front porch and scream, fuck you, you goddamn hippies. <laughs> and after he did that, he sprinted to his nearest recruiting station. Aha. Uh -huh. At the age of 17, he signs up for the army. He's in the recruiter's office, and he starts asking about different jobs. And then the guy's like, listen, it's not a job, it's an MOS. He's like, all right, cool. Learning shit already. You know, he offered him, you know, hey, here's some of the, you know, some other ones you can look into. You can be an, you know, become a 0-2 Delta, which is a French horn player, and 11 Bravo, which is an infantryman. And he's like, I kind of like the sound of that. I want to be a French horn player. Wait, no, I want to shoot people. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> he had a... <laughs> Oh, shit. Hold on here. So he did have a knack for music, and he wanted to go to Vietnam. And, <laughs> Vietnam. Vietnam, huh? <laughs> he wanted to go to Vietnam and sing them the song of his people as uh, an army oh, ranger. Oh, Canada. <laughs> no, wait. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Oh, no. Canada. He would, he would sing the song of his people as an army ranger. Songs of death and hatred towards his red enemy. Aha. Uh -huh. He was sent to basic training, and believe it or not, he excelled. Die, Goop, die. <laughs> That's probably. Uh, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Um, so his love for country drove him to be the best that he could be. Whereas most people hated basic training, Peter fucking loved it. He was up early for shit. He was staying late and not like volunteering for extra duty and shit like that. Um, 
you're gonna get your ass beat, Mister. That's what's gonna happen. Well, here's the thing: is like people. There was probably people like, oh, this is fucking kiss ass, and then he's just like, "What'd you say? I'll fucking kill you," because <laughs> uh, everybody liked him. He didn't take shit from nobody. There was no reports of him ever getting in trouble during Basic, mm. um, but he did graduate at the top of his class from Basic, and then became a two-time champion after he came for the strap and two time in AIT. Again, graduating at the top of his class. Okay. So not only is he the best basic training recruit. He's the best kiss ass. He's the best fucking ranger that came out of his class, too. He's the biggest kiss ass, too. He's a bad motherfucker is what he is. (laughs) So so he finished AIT at Fort Polk in uh, Louisiana. Uh Uh-huh. This Captain America motherfucker decided it was time. He boarded a plane July 24th, 1969, and demanded the pilot fly him and his other green crap... green-clad murder machines to Vietnam, which was the plan anyway. But he's like, get this motherfucker in the air. Let's go. Uh-huh. And the guy's like, chill. chill we gotta, like, you're the only one on here. Yeah. <laughs> we got to let, let the rest of your boys on first. Did, did you show me your ticket? No ticket. Get out the plane. <laughs> fucking whips a K-bar out of his sock. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> I'm going to kill get me. Get some, some peanuts or something and fucking chill. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> it's down. like a 37-hour flight. Calm the fuck down. Ranger, go sit down. <laughs> Easy. This is going to be really awkward if you start your shit already. <laughs> the, 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 the pilot hands him some. Here, hey, buddy, take these pills. They're okay. What, you need some fucking. Uh, just, t- just take them. <laughs> you need some Dramamine, son? Calm down. <laughs> no, no, no. He doesn't tell him the Dramamine, but he takes them. He's like, you'll be okay. This <laughs> this dude was just snorting lines of fucking <laughs> Panzer chocolate, you know? <laughs> Somebody gave me all these bennies and I took all of them at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So the whole flight. Uh, was just full of patriotic rage, knowing that he was going to do the good and justifiable thing. Here's the thing. He would later describe his 12-month deployment as, quote, filled with incidents of callousness, desperation, unfriendliness, and I escaped through drugs. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So, you know, safe to say that he kind of took a 180-degree turn here as to how he was really feeling about going to Vietnam to fight. There's a few instances early on in his deployment that really kind of cemented his his change in attitude. Um, he watched an American lieutenant gun down three, surrender, uh, three surrendering VC soldiers. Like, they had surrendered and they were coming up to be collected, and this guy's like, ha nope, M16, uh, just killed all oh, three of them. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, war crimes. <laughs> yeah. Um a bit later down the road, he was walking by the latrines, and he heard a you know commotion, and he looks over to see this guy holding one of the latrine doors shut, and then throwing a fucking grenade in through the roof and running away. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy just whips a grenade into the shitter and kills a lieutenant that literally nobody liked, but still, um, fratricide is frowned upon yeah. in the military. <laughs> just um, a little. Strangely enough, nobody could ever um, identify the Grenader. <laughs> so, including this man who's like, I saw what happened, but I don't know where the fuck he was. Uh, yeah. All I know is that guy's fucking dead. <laughs> Something happened. And one of the big things that really, really got under his skin was seeing South Vietnamese soldiers fleeing from fights that they were in with Americans, fighting against the North. And he, this is where he kind of starts to think, 
why the fuck are we here fighting for these people's country if they don't want to fight for it themselves? Yeah. And this really, really kind of got to him when he had a couple of uh, a couple of South Vietnamese villagers come up to him and say, quote, why are you Americans here? What are you doing here? What do you want? And he's like, yeah, that's kind of a good question. Why the fuck are we here? So with all that going on, he kind of started to feel some pressure and he blew off steam the same way that many other Americans in Vietnam did. He starts smoking weed. The devil's lettuce. Ah. The electric cabbage. He's getting it. You know, he's getting oh, into it. Oh, yeah. Um, turns out he would smoke a lot of weed. Um, and because I found a number in this, I, have to, I had to go dig up some statistics because that's how my fucking stupid brain works. Okay. So a DOD study done, which Department of Defense, yep. um, done in 1971, found that of the 2.7 million American soldiers sent to Vietnam, 51% of them at some point in time partook in some ganja. No way. So that, that comes out to about 1.3 million Americans smoking a little bit of weed while we're over here. So they're all going to hell. Yep. Um, about 31% of them, or 837,000, tried some super groovy fucking psychedelics, including oh. uh, psilocybin, LSD, um, some other weird shit that grows naturally in Vietnam, you know. Yeah. Um, and another 28%, or 756,000, were doing coke and heroin. Well, that's fucking Which great. I mean, listen, you want to do cocaine, that's fine. Go ahead. Heroin, probably not a great idea. I've... But if they're doing speedballs, if they're mixing the two, that's a dangerous motherfucker yeah. to give a rifle to. Um... So, if you're thinking those numbers seem like they might be a bit steep, then you're right. Because if yeah. you add it all up, at 6.2 million instances of drug use. Um, I'm pretty sure that not everybody partook. There are probably a few teetotalers here and there. Uh -huh. um, which to me means that a large chunk of these guys were doing a shitload of drugs. So, you're not just smoking weed. You're not just doing mushrooms or LSD. You're not just doing cocaine. You're doing all of it. Oh, stop. It's a fucking party. Well, I mean, um, it's the greatest party you have on Earth, I guess. Right? Maybe. So there's obviously days where you got a little bit of downtime. There's no fighting going on. Yeah. And as we've mentioned in other Ranger episodes where we've spoken about Rangers, these dudes aren't sitting around filling out paperwork or sweeping the barracks or scrubbing toilets with toothbrushes. Um, so being young, dumb, and full of energy. That's not what <laughs> you want to say. Well, well I mean, <laughs> he didn't talk about getting any any prostitutes, but... We know what was happening. I, I've seen Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> Yo, hey, G.I., me love you long time. $10. My mama won't let me spend that much. <laughs> she say, you too, Buku. <laughs> what? She say, you too, Buku. Uh, this is a pure Alabama black. <laughs> uh, Jesus. <laughs> We're not going to repeat the next line that comes after that with Animal Mother, because... Uh, We'll get canceled. Yeah. <laughs> we also won't use the other one where we're talking about a specific melanated fellow behind the trigger because uh, <laughs> it's a word. Yeah, you know, um, great fucking movie. If you have not seen Full Metal Jacket, why are you listening to this show? Yeah. Don't, and if, and if you, you don't take it fucking literal. No, just go watch the movie. It's fucking great. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> there's people out there that are younger, young enough to go. 
to watch it and go, wait, that's the guy from Stranger Things. No, he's the guy from fucking Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Get your shit together. Exactly. And yes, the other one was a huge cunt in The Patriot. Uh-huh. Not as much of a cunt as Malfoy's dad. Uh-huh. But still a cunt, nonetheless. Yes. He's also a space mechanic, but we'll leave that alone. He was Jane in, in uh, Jane in Firefly. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was. He was. He was a good. He was, he was a. He was a motherfucker, and I love. Yeah, that guy. but I he was great. Um, Shitty that guy show, show got canceled. One fucking season. I know. One motherfucking season. I know. Oh, I Firefly. Love... That's it. Come that on. That was great. Just shit together, Fox. I know. Now they're all fucking like too old to do it. Fuck you, Nathan yeah. Fillion is fantastic. It's true. He, he should have played. Nathan Drake in an Uncharted movie because he looks like the character. Yeah. Because that's who they based him off yeah. of. Yeah. Instead, we got fucking 15-year-old Spider-Man playing him. Yeah. And fucking Marky Mark, are you serious? Yeah. You ruined a perfectly good game franchise with a probably not great movie. Yeah, I don't... Anyway. So, him and his buddies, they would, they would hit the town and, quote, all the guys were heads. We'd sit around smoking grass and getting stoned and talking about what we were going to do when we got home. One such night occurred on March 31st of 1970. Okay. The boys were headed back, for, back to fire support base uh, Illingsworth after a quick recon patrol out in the jungle. Um, there's no proof that they were stoned on patrol, but... They were stoned They on may patrol. have been stoned on patrol. <laughs> he didn't admit it, but they may have been stoned on patrol. Plausible deniability. Right. I mean, this guy talks about how much fucking weed he smoked while he was in Vietnam. He may have forgotten that he was high when he went on patrol. <laughs> That's a possibility. Um, I was I was not high. No way, man. Was I high? Fuck, I might have been high. <laughs> man, I was um, not high. <laughs> so, so the you know, dudes got got fucking high and went on fire missions all the time. It was uh-huh. a normal thing. Yeah. Um, either way, they get back and they start smoking a little bit of that sweet, sweet green shit. Sweet, sweet. And the problem with the location of which they've chosen to smoke, being their fire base, is that it's, plant, uh, it's planted firmly on the Ho Chi Minh Trail. So okay. the Ho Chi Minh Trail, for anybody that doesn't know, is a trail that was used to uh, move supplies um, from North Vietnam through Laos, a little bit of Cambodia, and then into south, uh, like southern Vietnam. As far south as Saigon, which is pretty fucking low, yeah. into into South Vietnam, um, the trail was originally built during the, I believe it was the, the fuck was it the Franco the the Franco Indochina War or some shit like that, the the war that the French gave up on that we yeah. turned into Vietnam, yeah, because um, they're a bunch of fucking pussies, um, <laughs> but they they used this trail religiously and they used it to butt fuck the French, um, to great effect. <laughs> Sorry. Got the blue balls, crabs, and the seven year yep. So I think right here we're going to take our quick break. Okay. We're going to come back, and shit's about to get hairy. All right. And the Hendersons? No. Oh, damn. Okay. So Firebase Illingsworth has been a prime target for the VC and NVA uh, since it was built. Uh huh. It was pretty. It was a. It was kind of weird because it wasn't really. A well-established site. It was more just a base that they kind of chucked together out in the middle of an old dried-out pond bed. It was about five miles from the Cambodian border. The only exterior defenses of this base, which the base itself is 220 yards wide. So for any of our non-American listeners, that's 
two plus, well, from back of the end zone to back of the end zone, it's two football fields. Fuck your metric system. I'm not doing it. Um, so that's how wide this base was. And the only exterior defense for this was claymores that they had dug into the fucking earthen berms around the outside of it. They did like staggered layers of claymore mines. Um, no concertina wire, no barbed wire, just fucking claymores. Wait, and, do, you say, do you say no Constantina wire? Yeah, they had no wire over the fencing. Oh no, at huh? all. Oh, at all. So it's it's just claymores and two hundred and fifteen badasses in green to defend this little chunk of shit that they're in. Okay. Um, FSB Illingsworth sat astride heavily trafficked NVA infiltration routes in the middle of uh, of an area that GIs called the Dog's Head. Because of where it is on, I couldn't remember if it's how it sits on the map or if it's between a couple of different points where it actually kind of looks like a dog's head where you have like, you know, ear, snout, you know, yep. jaw, shit like that. Okay. Um, but patrols, uh, patrols disru- uh, disrupted communist movement and U.S. commanders were certain the NVA would attack and they were going to take this place to attack because it was easy. They would... Uh, this would reveal their position, allowing them to be bombed. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna wait for the Viet Cong to come out and attack this place because we know where our base is. Then when we're out there, we just bomb the fuck out of them. What a, what an idea! It's genius. What an idea, because we've already sprayed fucking Agent Orange through ninety seven percent of the country, and you know deforested it. Fuck it. But we still can't see them. You want to know why? They're underground. They have tunnels. No, they don't. So we got to wait for them to come up out of the tunnels and just bomb their dicks off. Tunnel rats. So, which that's a danger. That was a dangerous fucking job there. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a shitty flashlight that runs on 72 D cell batteries and a handgun. Good luck, kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How old are you? Ni- 19? Ah, you had a good run. You're fine. When you're good. dead, just let us know. We'll send somebody in. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> just, hey, well, just go. Bye, and they just step on the fucking lid. <laughs> I don't. What? He's knocking on it. Guys, Can I get out? Guys, come on. <laughs> this isn't funny. I know. I thought. I, I know this was supposed to be a joke, but it's not funny. <laughs> I'm scared. It's dark uh, down here. Turn your flashlight, dipshit. <laughs> I don't like this at all. Uh, several veterans of the battle that we're about to talk about have used the word bait. To describe the reason for the location. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, hold on here. I got to find my spot. Um, anticipating an assault, Illingsworth was reinforced on March 21st with two self-propelled eight-inch howitzers and four tons of ammunition for the big guns. Oof. So they're like, we know what's coming. Here's a shitload of ammo. Yeah. Here's some big motherfucking guns. Here you go, boys. Yeah. Have some fun. Have fun, exactly. From the first day on, we wanted to dig our ammo pits using our 8-inch howitzers as spades, uh, said Ralph Jones of, of uh, A-Battery. We were ordered not to, therefore allowing the enemy to view our ammunition from the jungle line. So they wanted to dig in behind their guns to be able to drop the ammunition down into it so it's not visible. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, fuck it. Leave the boxes out there. Matter of fact, I want you to turn it real good so it says explosive on the side of it facing right towards the jungle. You can put a sign on there that says how much, yeah. too. You know, fuck it. Who cares? 
Are you sure this came from uh, from McNamara, the, uh, the <laughs> defense secretary? Oh, directly from his desk, buddy. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He said do it. Because he was a piece of shit, too. <laughs> um, the decision to leave the ammo at, uh, stacked above ground would have devastating consequences for the, man at, for the men at the base um, in Illingsworth. Um, so back to the events of March 31st, April 1st, because it goes from one to the other. Yeah. Lemon has this to say, quote, we were all partying the night before. We weren't expecting any action because we weren't in a support unit. It was the only time I ever went into combat stoned. I don't believe you. (laughs) I'm calling bullshit. He continues. You get really alert when you're stoned because you have to be. I don't know that I've ever been super fucking alert when I was high. I have been. Other than of my speed. Because I usually set my cruise control and just steer. I have been, like, super high-tense alert. Like, my it, gas light came on one time, and I went, holy fuck! It depends on what you get, though. It depends on the strain. Because I've had nights where I'm like, I've gone out and I've smoked in the backyard and come back in and just, like, yeah. melted into the couch and been fine. It's like indica versus sativa. Yeah, then I've had nights where I've been like, okay, I got a little high, and then I went for a ride. And I got lost and cried until I got home. Because <laughs> like, I'm going to go up over Killington. That'll be fun. And I came down Route 100 at like fucking midnight. And I have no idea where I'm going because it's dark. Or there's times until where I you... came back out in Brandon. And I went, how did I get here? <laughs> or there's a time where you got we got so you got so high that well there was a time slip. There was an alien intervention. <laughs> That's the only time I will ever admit to that. Maybe I don't we know. were abducted uh, and we landed How back in my house. How the fuck did we get back here? <laughs> when the fuck did we get ice cream? <laughs> um. So I think the best way to do this is to take it directly from a fucking fantastic book that my wife got me for Christmas last year. And hold on, Kevin, I'll show you. It is called Throwback Thursday. Hood certified Hall of Fame uh-huh. from OAF Nation. I found it on Facebook and I'm like, I need that fucking book. Uh-huh. And it's amazing. This this may be a Patreon episode where I just grab some of these and just read them directly from it. Okay. Because how much fun they are to read. Okay. So here's a direct quote from the authors. On April first, oh let me pre- uh, set a preamble here. There's hashtags in here that I'm going to read because they make it funnier. On April 1st, 1970, Lemon made the fucking grass grow while serving as an A-gunner during the defense of FSB Illingsworth. High as giraffe pussy. (laughs) Lemon started murking a numerical superior enemy that was thrown in in hella shade and lead at his homies. Him and his squad used, uh, used MGs and choppas to rain hell until their weapon system broke. Lemon then stood up joint in mouth and began lobbing grenades to shut the uh, to shut down the enemy attack launched in his direction after straight face fucking charlie till their mascara was running all but one enemy was left and tried to dip before peter gave him some of the work lemon pulled his foot at a dead vc asshole and began to chase down the fleeing nva soldier you about to get this work hashtag them hands. <laughs> he chased the NVA soldier down and beat his fucking face in with his bare hands. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Lemon was uh, Lemon was severely wound, uh, wounded, but he pimp walked back to his position, carrying a wounded homie over his over to an aid station. 
He returned. Then he, he then he returned to his defensive position, realizing his POS was about to get overrun by Mark Ass Tricks or Trek Ass Marks, haters, hoolyhoos, and scallywags. <laughs> that, uh, Lemon proceeded to drop frags like fucking mixtapes and occasionally threw hands with a VC. <laughs> Hashtag come get that chin work. <laughs> He was wounded a third time, but he was blazed, so it didn't phase him. And he kept his pimp hand strong, continuously slapping those VC jabronis down, wave after wave. My pimp hand is strong. I am a, I'm Rick James, bitch. <laughs> I am a gold-plated, a gold-plated operable machine gun. Uh, Did he have a like ball dice on his fucking machine oh, on his M16? Dice, dice on his M16. I want to talk to Samson. Uh, uh, Lemon used it to tear up some more. Some more. Oh, Lemon used it to uh, to tear up some more VC ass cheeks. All the blood rushed to his murder boner so quick he passed <laughs> the fuck out and woke up at an aid station. Uh huh. Um. So, spoiler alert: He does receive the Medal of Honor for his actions. But I have to had to say that to continue this. Awarded the Medal of Honor for actions while high as fuck. <laughs> Seriously, Lemon went on to slay ass at Colorado State University in the late 70s, then absolutely devastated, <laughs> hashtag booty cheeks actual, at the University of Northern Colorado in the early 80s, leaving academia with a degree in speech, an MBA, and a headboard, <laughs> a headboard count over 10,000. <laughs> so in case anybody is a total lame ass and doesn't like the wording or the hashtags, here's the sanitized and officially released by the man version. Damn. <sighs> okay. Here we go. Jesus. I for, know. Conspicu <laughs> for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity and in action at the risk of his own life above and beyond the call of duty. Okay, first off, a intrepidity. I mean, come on. Who the fuck says that? People that are very intrepid. Uh, yeah, something. Jesus Christ. Which I haven't used the word intrepid since I worked at a Dodge dealership. Uh, yeah. And we had a rental and it was a donkey. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, here's your loaner vehicle with 305,000 miles on it. Whoa. Be fucking careful. Hey, if you hit a red light too hard, it's going to die. You know it. <laughs> this is also the same dealership that we tried to do nose stands with Pacificas. Because if you slammed on the brakes real hard, they would nosedive. You could snap yeah. the air dam off the bottom of them. It was fucking rad. Um, uh, beyond the call of duty, Sergeant Lemon, then SP4C. So I'm assuming that's specialist fourth class, right? Uh, Company E distinguished himself while serving as an assistant machine gunner during the defense of fire support base Illingworth. When the base came under heavy attack, uh, Sergeant Lemon engaged a numerically superior enemy. We already said that with machine gun and rifle fire from his defensive position until both weapons malfunctioned. I already said that, too. This, this is boring. I he, like the other version. No, right. He was whooping some ass and Fucking smoking the joints. Clapping cheeks and smoking grass, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, he pursued... Uh, oop. After eliminating all but one of the enemy soldiers in the immediate vicinity... He pimped and smacked him. He fucking slapped that bitch unconscious. <laughs> I'm gonna have to choke you, motherfucker. Does Rick no. James have to choke a bitch? With the five fingers say to the face. He just fucking punches him to death. Boom! Turned him into a fucking wristwatch. Uh-huh. Um... He pursued and disposed of the remaining soldier in hand-to-hand -hand combat. I'd like to think that he beat his face in with a rock. Yeah. But whatever. Um, 
Despite fragmentation wounds from an exploding grenade, Sergeant Lemon regained his position, carry... Uh, Remain, regained Jesus Christ despite fragmentation wounds from an exploding grenade Sergeant Lemon regained his position carried a more seriously wounded comrade to an aid station and as he returned was wounded a second time by enemy fire disregarding his personal injuries he moved to his position through a hail of small arms and grenade fire Sergeant Lemon immediately realized that his defensive sector was in danger of being overrun by the enemy and unhesitatingly assaulted the enemy soldiers by throwing hand grenades and, and engaging in hand-to-hand combat. He did this all fucking high. Yes. When was the last time, anybody that smokes weed and listens to the show, when was the last time you had this much fucking gumption to do anything when you were high? I don't know. But you know what was playing in the background in his head? There was probably either some Jimi Hendrix or maybe it was... Uh... I don't know. I'm thinking like, like maybe Rolling Stones, that, something from this that era. This this dude was humming all along the Watchtower the entire yeah. time. And maybe there was fucking chucking grenades yeah, and shit. And, and the, the fireworks, it was like, <laughs> poof, poof, it was explosions going off, and he was like, yeah, bam, bam, and fast forward, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's slow back down. Something, man. It's um. <laughs> It's like one of those movies where yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's like the shit happens, bah, 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 it's like then it slows back down. Bah, 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 it's, bah. It, it's like the the church scene in the first Kingsman movie. Yes, except it's a bunch of Vietnamese people and this guy just lethally stoned. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, whoa. <laughs> he does. He's just moving in slow motion and people are like, it's like all fuck it, all the matrix fuck is he and doing? shit. He's like, <laughs> Pete, you want to like fucking chill here, buddy? <laughs> What? Uh, What's going on, dude? <laughs> this fucking Bill and Ted go to the army, motherfucker. Gnarly. Uh, he was wounded yet a third time, but his determined efforts successfully drove the enemy from the position. Securing an operable machine gun, Sergeant Lemon stood atop the embankment, fully exposed to enemy fire. Die, motherfuckers, die! And placed effective fire upon the enemy until he collapsed from his multiple wounds and exhaustion. So he, he was, you know, so he was yelling that's that. What they, that's exactly what they already said. The blood flowed to his murder boner, yeah. and he fucking passed out. Like, yeah, of course. Credit where it's due. Um, after regaining consciousness at the aid station, he refused medical evacuation until his more uh, seriously wounded comrades had been evacuated. Sergeant Lemon's gallantry and extraordinary heroism are in keeping with the highest tradition of the military's of the military service and reflect great credit on him, his unit, and the U.S. Army. Okay. At his ceremony, he paid tribute to all the men that served in his unit, most specifically the three of his buddies that he lost in the fight that night. Uh, Casey Waller, Nathan Mann, and Brent Street. He said of these men, if it weren't for them, if it weren't for them my E-Company recon, uh, recon team, I certainly would not be alive today. For that, I am eternally grateful. Probably safe to say those three were probably baked out of their shit, too. Maybe. I mean, especially if they're all hanging out together, like, playing cards. and. Um, so he here's a fun one for you. He is the only living Canadian-born Medal of Honor recipient. And the only living recipient of the Medal of Honor originally from Michigan. 
Because technically when they immigrated, Michigan becomes your home state. Yeah. So he's the only living Medal of Honor recipient from Michigan. Nice. Um, Mr. Lemon is a motivational speaker. And this part gets very formal because I took it directly from his website. Is a motivational speaker presenting uh, to hundreds of corporate and nonprofit clients nationally. He's also an author, sculptor, and documentarian. An industry leader for 30 years, his company provides business insurance to over 3,000 restaurants nationwide and professional liability insurance for the 70,000 nurses of the National Organization of Healthcare Professionals. And as a commercial general contractor, built convenience stores for Amico, Exxon, Philips, Conoco, and Diamond Shamrock. So in other words, he's got enough money that he can smoke really, really, really good weed now. Yeah. Not the fucking Vietnamese dirt weed. Um, he also wrote a book called Beyond the Metal, which is a collection of stories from uh, surviving Medal of Honor recipients that tell their stories in their own words um, as to what they went through and, you know, yeah. all that shit. Um, I've actually ordered a copy of it, and I am super excited to get it here because I yeah. really want to um, really want to read that. That but sounds good. I want to show you the picture from this book. Okay. Where they refer to him as 420 Actual for his call sign. Ah. <laughs> I present to you Peter Lemon. Nice. <laughs> so I'm going to try to post a picture of this up. So the backdrop is a purple pot leaf with uh, this dude with this like steel pot helmet, little mustache. He's got a joint going. He's got a tie-dye like BDU coat. <laughs> yeah. A fucking bandolier and his Medal of Honor. And he's just casually tossing a grenade in his hand. Yeah pretty fucking gangster um there will be more of these read on a patreon soon i promise because yeah these are fucking fun yep a lot of fucking fun so that is peter lemon um the only dude that i can think of that has ever admitted to getting fucking high while he was at work and not getting in trouble for it exactly so not a lot are gonna say that no yeah no yeah, that was a good little... I was yeah, just, no, I was totally smoking in the fucking walk-in. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Which, yeah, yeah. Um, good little badass. I mean, <laughs> speaking of personal stories. <laughs> who, uh. If you've never worked in a restaurant, if you worked in a restaurant and didn't get high in the fucking walk-in freezer outside, what are you doing? Not exactly. You're not working at a restaurant. Right? No. Yeah. Well, speaking of plugging things, uh, go over to uh, Dark Windows Podcast forward slash... Patreon.com yes. forward slash Dark Windows Podcast. Reverse that. Yes. I, yes. Meant, I meant Patreon forward slash. Yes. Yes. It's $5 a month. Yes. You get $5 a month, get an extra episode each week of this shit. Because, you know, what the hell? You get the new stuff. You get I mean, our ever-growing back catalog. Yep. All that. It's growing pretty good. Yeah. You know, lately. It's five dollars. It's five dollars. Five dollars. Yeah. It's five bucks. I mean, if you don't want to, if you can't do it, that's fine. It's less than a gallon mm-hmm. of gas again, finally, for yeah. us. For us, not for some people. But you know, if you can't do it. That's fine. You know, it, it is what it is. It's can't can't. You know, you got to take care of yourself. Also, so I, I I will ask this favor: if you can't do Patreon, at least don't skip the commercials on the regular shows. Yes. Please yeah. and thank you. Yes. <laughs> also, go over to Facebook. You can find us on there because, you know, Dark Windows Podcast. Because every motherfucker's on yep. Facebook. Um, we have two different links for that one. We have the show page 
and then we have the group. And the group. The group is where the magic happens. Yes. We have both of them. The show page is where you can go and leave us a nice review. Yeah. Which is pretty cool and super helpful. Yes. Also, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Dark Windows Pod. Yep. More so Instagram than Twitter, but that's okay. Fuck Twitter. <clears throat> and there, I said it. Yes. He said fuck <laughs> Somebody the Twitter. Somebody had to say it. He said fuck the Twitter. Also, um, you go over to studio.com. Check them out. Get your next blue- pair of Bluetooth earphones, headbuds. Yeah, headbuds? Get me started. Are you again. high? I don't know. <laughs> Might be. Get your next pair of ear. Wow. Fuck, man. Son of a bitch. I can't do it. Okay. Listening me- devices. Yes. Get your next pair of listening devices via in the ear or over the ear. Whatever. Or your next Bluetooth speaker. Yep. I need to get me one of them sons of bitches. Yeah, you do. I'm going to have to. Um, yeah. And when you're done, put them all in your basket go to checkout put the promo code of dark windows 15 that is dark windows 15 to get 15 percent off your entire purchase yeah and yeah we have one more thing to do before we leave what's that roll that motherfucking cue. oh that beautiful bean footage because i've got to figure out what i'm doing week after next we can't do two histories in a row we've done that before yeah well Cult. Oh, cocksucker. Okay. Nope. It's a cult, not a cocksucker. Well, I can probably find one that's both. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, a cocksucking cult, huh? Yeah. Cult nice. of cocksuckers. Oh. That's even better. That may be homophobic. I'm not sure. Oh, whatever. But I don't really care. I'm not afraid of gay people. So yeah. that, that's, that's, that's the thing that kills me. We'd be like, oh, you're homophobic. I am not scared of gay people. No. You're Islamophobic. I'm not, af- I'm not afraid of Islamic people. I don't give two shits. I don't give a fuck I, How dare you fuck someone you're attracted to? Yes. How Unless dare you? Unless they're a child, then you need to be fucking... You should not be fucking children. No, then you you should be fed to wild dogs cock first at that point. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so with that being said, just because you can't see out in the dark doesn't mean the dark can't see into you. Holy shit. I you know. You got that, but fucked everything else up. I'm proud of you. You know what? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>